0: WEC number 14, going to be talking about Arminianism and the free will defense for the problem of evil. Starting out with the Arminian approach, presupposition to Arminian theology on how God causes things to come to pass is God decrees most things, but God foresees all things. So mainly what we're seeing here from the Arminian perspective is foresight, not foreordination. So we'll get into this, but this is the, if you're going to understand the Reformed position on how God brings things to come to pass, we hold to God decrees all things. But in the Arminian perspective, God decrees some things, but he foresees all things. And in the foresight of God is where the human free will rests, where God does not decree human decisions, and they vary, but mainly the main one is to salvation, that God leaves that to the individual to choose. And God simply looks down the corridors of time to foresee who's going to choose him, and those end up being the elect of God. So. From the Arminian perspective, God is sovereign and in charge over everything. Now, the key is without controlling all things. And this is where we differ. The Reformed perspective is is God is sovereign and in control over all things, to the smallest, to the greatest, even human decisions, both good and evil. Now, getting into Arminian theology with free will, God decrees some things, but he foresees all. And in that foresight, God is passive. And in being passive, he allows humanity to make their own choices and to be ultimate choice regarding salvation. So now as Arminian scholar Roger Olson says, nothing at all can happen without God's permission. And notice he says, and many things are specifically and directly controlled and caused by God. Even sin and evil do not escape God's providential governance in classic Arminian theology. God permits and limits them without willing or causing them. So that's the key here is what we're seeing. Many things are decreed by God, according to Roger Olson, but not all things. And in the last sentence, God permits and limits them without willing or causing them. So they're the evil that exists in the world, God does not will that. God does not decree that. God simply stands back and allows humanity to make their choice. They claim God is still sovereign. He's still in control, but in a passive sense. So God's sovereignty is not as the Calvinist would define it meaning God being in absolute control of all things, necessary sovereignty, meaning nothing can come to pass unless God decrees it. The Arminians reject this notion because they say this would make God the author of sin. God would be blamed for it. If you go back to the last lecture on Calvinism, we demonstrate how Paul refuted this line of reasoning in Romans 9.14. The objection that Paul anticipates is, is there injustice with God? Because God is sovereign over all things. The first thing that's going to come to the human mind is, oh, since God decrees evil, he is to be blamed. And Paul strictly says right after that, May it never be. Absolutely not. So God decrees all things, but he is not the author of sin. He's not to be blamed. But in the Arminian perspective, if God did decree evil to come to pass, he would be. He would be the author of sin and he'd be blamed for it. So Arminians also view the Calvinist interpretation of God's sovereignty as deterministic which takes away human freedom and ability to choose. So we are nothing more than puppets on a string if God determines and decrees all things. And if you remember from the Reformed perspective, we believe in compatibility, meaning, yes, God decrees all things, God determines the outcome of all things, but at the same time, humans choose to do what they do without being forced, coerced, or coerced. Human beings do what they do because we choose to do. God is not forcing us to do what we do. But at the same time we're choosing to do what we want, God has already decreed that we would do that. This is known as compatibility. The Arminian perspective rejects this, seeing this as deterministic, human beings being nothing more than puppets on a string. And if you remember from the lecture on Calvinism, Romans 9.19, Paul again anticipates this objection as well where it says who can resist his will meaning if this is how God has decreed things to come to pass then who can resist it and how can we be blamed for it so Paul knowing he's teaching on both corporate and individual election and God's choice in salvation anticipates these very objections that the Arminians make that we are nothing more than puppets on a string So classic Arminian understanding of divine providence is God being the cause of all things, and notice this, except evil. God permits evil to occur rather than ordaining it to come to pass. God does not decree evil, but he brings good out of it. God permits evil to occur but not by way of divine decree. Now notice this. The Reformed position, what we believe the Bible teaches, is nothing can happen at all unless God decrees it. What the Arminian position is saying is both God and humanity can decree events to come to pass. So if we can decree events and God can decree events... God has now limited his sovereignty to where we have two sovereign wills in the universe. Now, the Arminian would reject this and say God is in complete control. He's just allowing. He's being passive. But if you think about how things come to pass, human beings can only do what they desire. Human beings don't have the ability to, to decree. Only God has that ability. So if God only has the ability to decree, From a biblical perspective, it would be impossible for God to be passive and allow for human beings to decree. It's just not in the nature of God. He would be denying himself. But this is how Arminianism sees it. God doesn't ordain evil. He doesn't decree evil. He doesn't predestine evil. He doesn't cause evil, according to the Arminian. Rather, humanity chooses to bring it to pass. God sovereignly directs, not decrees, that evil actions of humanity to mold them in a way that will come out for good in the end. God is passive and allows for evil to occur. He does not decree it. He is able to do this without being deterministic or omni-causal. So in Arminianism, God is not the author of sin because he only permits it. He does not ordain it to come to pass. And again, we see big problems with this regarding the nature of divine and human causality, how a human being is capable of decreeing an event. He's not. He doesn't have that power. Only God can do this. But the Armenian does not see it that way in God's sovereignty. So classical Arminianism holds to what we refer to as univocal understanding of the immutability of God, meaning univocal type thinking is what we do is we take God and we put him on the same spectrum as humanity. So if you think of a chain Think of a 50-foot chain or a 100-foot chain. God is the top link of that chain. We are the bottom link of that chain. We are both on the same plane. God is just on the highest part, and we are on the lowest part. So when we think of the immutability of God, meaning immutability, meaning God cannot change, and if we think of God being on the top of the chain and us being on the bottom of the same chain, What we end up doing is reading in humanistic thought, humanistic tendencies, humanistic reasoning into God. We start to turn God into our own image as humans. In the Reformed community, we hold to what's known as analogical predication, meaning we are similar to God in way of reflection only. He is completely separate, He is infinite. We are finite he is infinite he is in his own realm we are in our own realm or circle and he reveals himself to us by way of general revelation which is nature history and human personality and he also reveals himself by way of his word scripture we reflect his image we are not on the same chain as him he being the highest link and us being the lowest link That is turning God into a human being. We're humanizing God and we're pulling him down into our finite reasoning. This is not how the Bible describes God in his essence. So classical Arminianism holds to univocal understanding of the immutability of God. So according to classic Arminianism, God emotes or God expresses emotion like humans, but on a much grander scale. God moves from one emotion to another. It is not viewed as a change in essence, meaning God's nature doesn't change when he goes from emotion to emotion. Rather, it's a change in mobility. So this means now, if this is how the Armenian views God, that it's not, God's change in emotion is not a change in his nature, The problem with that thinking is if God changes from one emotion to another, he's different than he was the moment before. That's a change. If God changes from one emotion to another because we have moved God or we have disturbed God, that shows that humanity can change or have an impact or an influence on God. That would be a change according to Reformed theology. The Armenian doesn't see it that way. So this means that because humanity can influence God, God is not pure actuality, meaning he is not 100% God 100% of the time. He's not pure being. He's not always himself. See, the Reformed position holds the pure actuality, where God is always himself all the time. He cannot change because he's always God. But now, bringing in this type of potentiality with God He changes, then, from one emotion to another. He is becoming rather than being pure being. So, in the Reformed perspective, God is pure being. He's always himself. In the Arminian perspective, he is becoming from one thing to another, relying on one part or one emotion and then shifting from that one emotion to another emotion. So the problem is, if God is comprised of parts like this, the parts are not the whole. If he is only one part, that means he's not another part, which indicates change within his nature. So there's a give-and-take relationship between God and humanity from the Arminian perspective. God changes to the circumstances that are before him. Humanity can move him. The circumstances Our free will chooses to decree. Our free will chooses to bring to pass, combined with God's will. So God has an active will and he has a passive will. His passive will is allow humanity to make its choice based upon its own free will, evil that God does not decree. So God switches from one emotion to another from how we respond to him. This would be the Arminian perspective. So what this does is it leaves the door open for Wesley-Arminian scholars such as Richard Watson who believe God can grieve over sin, that God cannot be impassable, and that God who is capable of suffering cannot be immutable. So what we're seeing here from the Arminian perspective is because God enters or chooses to enter into a relationship with humanity, he has chosen to to allow himself under his own control to be changed from human choices based upon the fact that he's entered into a relationship with them so god can grieve over sin if god can grieve over sin that doesn't mean he's impassable because he can be one emotion one second and a different emotion at another second. It means God, if God is capable of suffering with his creation, he can't be immutable either because if he's suffering with his creation, there's a change in God. So what this means is humanity can change God to some degree. And this is the risk of allowing humanity to possess libertarian free will. So when God enters into a relationship with humanity, Risk is involved. And this risk God took on when he entered into freely to choose to enter into his relationship with his own creation. As Jacob Arminius states, Because grace is so attempered and commingled with the nature of man, as not to destroy within him the liberty of his will, but to give it a right direction, to correct its depravity, and to allow man to possess his own proper notions. While on the contrary, this predestination introduces such a species of grace as to take away free will and hinder its exercise. So what's Arminius saying here? He's saying that God has given humanity the ability to make choices. Free will. And if humanity does not possess free will, rather God predestines who's going to be saved, what this does is it hinders human free will and it takes away from this grace that God has given humanity. So it takes away from human autonomy. It takes away from human choice. This is how the Arminian would view predestination. God forcing himself on somebody rather than an individual making a free choice to believe. Now, the problem with this, and this is where we get into the difference between Arminian understanding of human nature from the fall and the Reformed understanding of the human nature from the fall. But the Arminian believes that humanity still has the capability within itself to choose and to believe. It's through the means of provenient grace. uh, Yes, people are born dead in their sins, but God can neutralize that sin by his provenient grace, Which levels the playing field, which opens up the door for human free will to freely choose and accept God. So, what they believe is God created human beings with the value of free will, and the existence of evil is up to those who God created. Let me read that again. The existence of evil is up to those who God created. There's the risk factor. The existence of evil is up to God's creation itself. Humanity is under bondage of sin until God frees a person through prevenient grace. Humanity is not necessarily bound by God's decree. God can decree, but humanity still has a choice through free will. This means God can also allow things to come to pass that he did not decree. So do you see the problem of evil in the Armenian understanding of allowing libertarian or human free will, however they want to define it, bringing in a risk factor, the possibility that things can happen that God does not decree. He foresees it. He knows in advance everything a human is going to do. But he doesn't decree it. So you have the things in this world that God decrees, and you have the things in this world that humanity decrees. But the Arminian would see this all being under the sovereign will of God, either active or passive. But if humanity can change God, if humanity can bring risk into the equation, if humanity can change God's will who wants A, but humanity wants C, so we're left up with B, If God is allowing this much power into the hands of humanity, how is God completely sovereign? They say, oh, he's allowing humanity to do this. How can God, who's perfectly sovereign, limit his sovereignty? If God limits his sovereignty, he's denying himself. It's impossible for God to do that. God cannot deny himself. God cannot be somebody he's not. It is impossible for God to change. It is impossible for God to give another person the ability to decree. Only God can decree. So do you see how this Armenian understanding of the problem of evil, in this synergistic concept of God and man's cooperation, the fact that there is risk, the fact that humanity is capable of pushing God and changing God. How this puts God on a univocal scale as the top link of the chain. Humanizes God. It takes God from being God to God being this sympathetic God who's simply walking alongside of humanity pleading that he acknowledge who God is through his own reason and his own abilities. So creating humans with the value of free will naturally results in risk. The risk of moral evil existing through the free will choice of humanity. This is a risk God was willing to accept because of the value of free will that he chose to give to his creation. So think about this. If there is risk involved, that means driving home tonight. If somebody chooses to swerve in front of you, somebody chooses to drink too much, Somebody chooses to look at their cell phone and hit you in their car. That that risk of the human free will means that God's sovereign will is not directing the course of human events, but rather passively reacting to work things out to our good. How are we ever safe and secure? If God limits his sovereignty to the choice of human beings, then there is risk every single moment of our life that God does not decree. Therefore, are we ever truly protected by God and his grace? So in order for humanity to be truly free, we must have the free will to choose that is separate from God's control. This is Arminian thinking. Remember, reformed thinking is compatibility. We make our choices. We are not forced. We do what we desire. At the same time, God decrees everything that comes to pass, every single action we do. He's not forcing, he's not coercing, and the blame is 100% on us. But from the Arminian perspective, we must have free will that's separate from God's control. It's a value God doesn't violate. Otherwise, if you violated this, we'd simply be puppets on a string, which is the exact objection Paul refutes in Romans 9.19. So evil exists in the Arminian perspective because of our choice to sin. It's not God's fault because he didn't decree it. God is not the one to blame for evil. So in order for love to be genuine, humanity must be free. This is again a univocal understanding of who God is. And it's a univocal understanding of putting God on the same chain, same link. He's being the top link, us being the bottom link. Human rationality comes in takes a look at their Reformed understanding, how God decrees all things, and yet humanity chooses to do what they do. How God is not to be blamed for the evil, but only humanity. The human mind can't understand this. The human mind can't comprehend this. The human mind automatically assumes that if God decrees, he's to be blamed. But what we're seeing all throughout Scripture is God decrees all things both good and evil, according to Isaiah 45, 7. And yet, the good is by the hand of God, and the evil is through the secondary agents that he decrees to do as they do, as they willfully, 100% choose to do what they do without being forced. But human reason comes in and starts to think that if God ordains all things then he's to be blamed for the sin. If God ordains all things, then humans aren't free. If God ordains all things, then we're just puppets on a string. That's not what the Bible teaches. But the human mind, in its rational way of thinking, the limited, finite, sinful minds that we all have cannot comprehend compatibility. It can't comprehend how God can be 100% sovereign, and yet we choose to do what we do without being forced. We freely choose to do what we do, but nothing can come to pass unless God decrees it. So bring in human thinking, bring in rational thought, take God from analogical to univocal, and this is where we see the understanding of Armenian theology, and this is why it's so popular today, because it just fits in with the way humanity thinks. To understand compatibility, you have to read God's You have to read his ways from Genesis to Revelation to clearly see how God is sovereignly in control of all things. Compatibility doesn't come natural. It doesn't fit in our rational way of thinking because we can't wrap our arms around it. So we switch God or the Arminian switches God from an analogical to a univocal way of thinking. So in order for God to operate in this manner and to have... Humanity to have free will, according to the Arminian, God must limit his sovereign control in order for humanity to be free. And you won't find that concept anywhere in scripture. God cannot deny himself. But in order for humanity to maintain this free will, it's the only way, according to an Arminian, that this could work. So, classic Armenians define God's decree differently than the Reformed. They believe God decreed both the elect and the reprobate, but limited himself from making the final decision as to which particular individuals fall into each category. God foresees humanity's final decision without determining it. This is why... The reformed position believes in God's foreordination. God foresees because he foreordains. In the Arminian position, God foresees. He has foreknowledge because he sees ahead of time of what somebody's going to do. So the in the Arminian perspective, if I restate it like this, foreknowledge is based upon foresight. Where in the Reformed position, foreknowledge is based upon foreordination. God decrees all things. In the Arminian perspective, foreknowledge is based on foresight. He foresees all things and passively allows humanity to decree their own decision. So this allows for scenarios to occur in the world that have not been ordained by the hand of God. But ultimately, God works them all out in the end for the good of those who believe. So, two verses that Arminians really like to use in demonstrating this. Matthew 23, 37 through 39, Jesus is speaking here and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And notice this, and you were not willing. So, the Arminian takes a look at this verse and says, look, Jesus wanted this. But the Jews wanted something different. Therefore they thwarted the plan of God, but God will ultimately work all this out in the end to his glory. Joshua 24:15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. So if God is commanding us to choose him, the Arminian automatically assumes that we have the free will ability to do this. See in the reformed position we teach Spiritual deadness, and we'll get into this as we get into Tulip more, where God commands us to to choose and to believe in him because that is our moral responsibility. That's why we are image bearers. This is what we're supposed to do. But we lost that power in the fall. We lost that ability in the fall. We lost that desire in the fall. But regardless, God still commands it because he doesn't lower his standard. But in the Arminian perspective, this choose this day whom you will serve, To them, it proves that we have the free will ability to do it. Otherwise, why would God command it? So understanding all of these things, then putting it together, questions to consider. If humanity has free will that God cannot violate, how many sovereign wills exist in the universe? The Armenian will say, well, just one, because God is still in control and he's just passively allowing it. But if he's passively allowing it, then God doesn't decree all things. Humanity can also decree things. We're in the reformed position, only God can decree. Man does what they do by desire, but God decrees. So how many sovereign wills are in the universe if humanity has libertarian free will that God can't violate? The answer is two, God and humanity. Second question, if God does not decree something to come to pass, How can God be in control of all things? Think about that. If God is just passive and he's standing there and he's seeing the evil and he didn't decree the evil to come to pass, but rather he's standing there and he's watching it and the evil event takes place, how is God not to be blamed when he had the power to stop it? See, the Arminian position that God doesn't decree evil doesn't get God off the hook. God is still right there. He foreknows all things. He is all-powerful. Then why doesn't God stop it? He's just standing there not doing anything to protect libertarian free will. It doesn't get God off the hook. Next question. If evil takes place that God did not want to take place, how can there be a plan and a purpose for it? See, from the Reformed perspective, God decrees all things because he has a plan and a purpose for it. But in the Arminian position, you have all of this purposeless evil. It's just coming to pass. Yes, God is passively trying to work it out for our own good, according to the Arminian. But if God doesn't directly decree it, and it's coming from a different source, how is that not purposeless? Just because God is going to take a lemon and make lemonade out of it, doesn't mean that lemon's still not bitter. Meaning, if something's going to come to pass that God did not decree, what that means is it was purposeless. And God's going to make a purpose out of it? Passively? That's not how God works. God has an intention and a purpose for all things that he decrees. Fourth question. If God does not violate a person's will to harm somebody else, and he stands by as he permits the evil action to take place. How is God not to be blamed since he could have stopped it if he wanted to? And this goes back to the question we just talked about. It doesn't get God off the hook. See, people think the reformed position that God decrees evil makes him to blame, be blamed for the evil. Where it's not. He's using the sin of the individual's heart to bring it to pass. So to try to make god a better god or to try to get god off the hook here god doesn't decree evil therefore he's not to be blamed sure okay but then god is still standing there as it happens passively that doesn't get god off the hook fifth question if god is not sovereign over the will of humanity how are we ever safe so you have risk involved and if risk is involved things can happen that god did not did not decree we're vulnerable Lastly, what's the difference between being mostly sovereign and completely sovereign? So if God limits his sovereignty in some area, in some aspect, for humanity to be free, God is no longer infinitely sovereign. He's mostly sovereign. So what's the difference? What's the difference between being mostly sovereign and purely sovereign? There's an infinite difference. If you are mostly sovereign, that means you are not all sovereign. All sovereign is to be infinite. If you are all sovereign, you are infinitely sovereign. But if you are mostly sovereign, you're no longer infinite, you're finite. And there is an infinite difference between being finite and being infinite.